All right, if you are staying for the vision meeting, come and grab a seat. If you are not staying, feel free to grab coffee and take the conversation on the other side of the floor. All right, let, let's pray as we begin the vision meeting. Please pray with me. Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for your gifts to us. Pray that you would bring about a clarity for the future, a unity around the future, and uh, that you would bless us, Lord, as we meet today. Pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so here's what's going to happen today. Uh, I'm going to share at the beginning just briefly what I believe God has kind of called us to uh, going forward. Just a little brief preview there. Uh, the finance team is going to come up and share with you a financial update, um, and then I'm going to come back up to walk through uh, the pledge process, and then there'll be some time for Q&A. Um, all right, so the, the theme of this meeting is going to be stewardship, and it's going to be about stewarding revival uh, and stewarding resources. Um, I have to step off of this stage. I'm sorry. I feel ridiculous sitting on this island. Um, <laughs> um, stewarding revival is what God has really pressed upon my heart. Um, and we've been using the language of fire or try to, uh, a fire that's burning. And one of the things that Dane, one of our pastors, has talked about was. Uh, Keep continuing to put the next log on the fire so that the fire doesn't kind of burn out of control um, and hurt people, but that we are seeing God. Um, you can't control fire, but you can kind of steward it and make sure that it, it is done well. Um, the vision that came to mind this last week for me in regards to that idea of stewardship of, of revival, um, if you don't mind me sharing a brief story, um, you've heard a lot from my stories, but um, I, uh, I went to Texas A&M University for college. I typically, what? <laughs> there's, no, there's no way there's that many of you. Um, I, I try to hide my Texan status. It's, uh, it comes out. Um, but at Texas A&M, yesterday they uh, celebrated, uh, not celebrated, they honored uh, anniversary of one of their biggest tragedies. Uh, in 1999, um, Bonfire, which was a student-led, student-run event where they built a 60-foot log fire um, and then burned it on Rivalry Week as a testimony to our hatred for our rivals, uh, our burning desire to beat them. Um, in 1999, what had happened over many years is that people had become careless with the building of the logs. You had to be very precise to build something like that, and they had students that were four stories high in the air, and one night, in the middle of the night, the bonfire fell. Um, Twelve people passed away. Many others were injured, and it's uh, one of the largest tragedies our university has experienced, and since then, they have not had a bonfire on campus. And that hit me in the sense that stewardship is kind of like building that bonfire, but doing it in a careful way that God has impressed upon us to be careful with you as the people of God.
that we would help steward God's work in your life, that we would steward God's truth for you in a way that is careful and considerate, and that we would pastor you through your challenges, your concerns, your hurts, your wounds, in such a way that we would help build the fire in your life that God would consume it appropriately. But that we would be careful with the process as we build this church and build the structures and procedures and everything we're doing in such a way uh, that we're trying to do it with integrity and honor so that it doesn't crumble. And at the same time, making sure that we continue to release control of the results to God. That if you're talking about fire, it's still going to burn. It's going to do what it's going to do. And there's only so much we can do to try to steward that. Um, So I want to make a few comments on what it looks like for us to be careful. When it comes to being careful with people, I want to talk specifically about being careful uh, with uh, one person, and that's Ryan Holiday and his family. Um, Ryan was the lead pastor for 10 years uh, here at this church, and he and our pastors passed off that role to me this past summer, and he and his family went on a sabbatical starting August 1st. It's six months. Um, Our relationship with them has continued. That's why he's listed in our program, because we believe God has asked us to steward and bless their family well as he transitions to his next ministry. There's been questions of, is Ryan coming back? Um, And the response, as I kind of share this with you, is I'm not going to speak in absolutes, because with Ryan Holiday, you cannot speak with absolutes. But I can speak in likelihoods. And the likelihood um, is that Ryan and his family continue in Rwanda beyond that six months, that our relationship with them will shift, and we'll sort through what that looks like. The likelihood is that Ryan will not be coming back to New York City and not be coming back to Lower Manhattan Community Church. Um, and that's solely because that's what he and we believe that God is doing in him. That the calling upon his life for these last 10 years was to faithfully shepherd, to faithfully challenge, to faithfully lead this church. And he did it as best he could. And that this season is a season of recovery, a season of um, vision for him and his family, And they are in Rwanda. They are doing well. Um, God is blessing them while they're there and beginning to show them the future. Um, You will see Ryan again. (laughs) Ryan is part of our story. He's part of our history. I want to honor him as best I can, and I look forward to us being able to welcome their family back here. We welcome him, be able to preach occasionally, (laughs) whatever trepidation that gives you. (laughs) For 10 years, he served this church. And in mainline denominations, there's, and when a pastor transitions, they're often able to give them six months to really sort through their future. In non-denominational churches like us, we don't have any formal process to do that. But we do have the ability to bless them, to say thank you for 10 years, to walk alongside them as they consider what's next. Uh, and so I just want you to be aware of that so that you can pray for him and his family, um, that we can see God continue to guide their steps We get to build on the foundation that he and many others in this church laid, um, and so we want to continue to honor him on that. Uh, With that, as much as I love Ryan and want to honor him, (laughs) there are aspects of Ryan's leadership that we want to say just weren't best (laughs) and don't need to remain for the future of the church. And inside of that, I want to make sure that you hear that there is going to be a uh, carefulness in our communication. 
There's going to be carefulness in the decisions that we make so that there is appropriately accountability and structures so that we honor and steward God and his leadership faithfully. Um, all right. Shifting gears to Ryan, to talking about being careful with you. As I've prayed for 2020, which is shocking to be around the corner because everyone had vision 2020, and it's not the Jetsons yet, and so we're not like, we haven't achieved this vision 2020 thing that everyone had. But in 2020, as I've prayed, the, there's kind of the way God speaks to me is in some theme words, and then he kind of speaks about how that's going to look. The theme words that kind of God has spoken to me about our church and what he's called us to do as the leadership is newness and equipping. And if I tried to summarize that in one singular word, <laughs> it's upgrade. That we believe that God desires to upgrade and bring a newness and equipping to every single person wherever they are. That there's some people that will come into our church very raw, emotionally hurt and broken. The upgrade there is to bring healing, to bring hospitality, to bring a community around them. Um, there are some people that it's yet to be uh, revealed their gifting, and so to be a place where they can receive their gifts and to walk faithfully. There's others that you've received gifts and you're growing, but there's still kind of some hindrances that are holding you back. How do we equip you so that you are independent and strong in your faith and you begin to exercise your gifts for the good of this church and the good of this city? So practically, when we start the new year, we're going to be starting a series that's focused on upgrade. What does it look like to experience newness, new and better, inspired by the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, you've heard it said, but I say, to be able to say what is the new life that God has called you to and this church to and how do you actually do it? Then when it comes to the retreat, the retreat is going to be focused on more of an equipping environment than some crazy, radical, experiential environment. We're still going to experience some really beautiful and powerful things because that's what happens when the people of God say, we're going to give you an entire weekend and retreat and get away. So we'll still see the spirit move in people's lives, but the structure of the retreat, how we conduct it, we'll be seeking to equip you. And that will kick off um, a, what I'm calling mission made normal. Um, mission being that you and I have the mission of representing God and declaring him to this world and demonstrating to others their need of him and then helping walk them to God. And so how does it look for evangelism to not be uncomfortable and weird, but to just be sharing the good news in your life? And so as we look ahead, I want you to be aware that that's what we're pursuing, that there is a new and better kind of future that God's calling us to, to equip us for the mission he's called us to. Uh, I had a mentor in town this week, and he asked me a question what does success look like for you in the future? It's a great question. I hated that he asked it. Um, and he asked that because my fear for the future of the church is not that we would retreat back into something that is lacking the Holy Spirit. My fear is not that we would go backwards into a comfortable experience of church. My fear is that we would experience a level of success that would make us comfortable. The people of Israel fell, Solomon fell, when his comfortable success caused him to not worship and be open to the move of God anymore. God is moving in our midst. 
And for us to faithfully steward it, it is to regularly come back to him and put it on the altar and say, whatever you want to do with this church, it's yours. Whatever you want to do with my life, it's yours. And that's the best way that we can steward this going forward. I think God's going to grow our church. I think God's going to grow our leadership. I think God's going to be abundant to us in generosity of gifts and money. I believe that. But what I'm hopeful for is that that overflows into salvations. In prayer, God's pressed upon me the idea of us baptizing 700 people. Not that they all stay here, but that they all find Jesus here. And I share that not to uh, be the part of the fundraising pitch that gets you to give, but just to say that's what God's calling us to, is to seek and save the lost, because that's what Jesus did. And we as a people have received the Spirit, and it's now for us to steward the work of the Spirit and the resources of this church, you as the people, the resources you give and your generosity in a way that people will come to salvation. Now with that, I do want to transition to the finance team. Um, The finance team was created last winter around the last giving series. Over this year, they've been doing the due diligence of investigating uh, how our finances run, how can they improve, how can we implement best practices so that we steward faithfully and transparently and with accountability. And so uh, when they first met, uh, Brad, who's a CPA, sent me this like four-page long CPA email Confession, I didn't finish it, Brad. Um, But I was so encouraged because it was evidence that God has given the people uh, that are in our church that we need, that have the talent, that have the experience, that have the intelligence. And that's true of all of them. Um, Dan Carpenter isn't able to be here today. His grandfather passed away this week, so he's up with his family um, in in the grieving process. Uh, But you're going to hear from Brad Stansberry and Alicia Lee, um, longtime leaders in our church. Um, And I am very thankful. Um, You have families, you have demanding jobs, and you have given above and beyond even what we asked of you initially, which is why we didn't make you know what you were doing before you said yes. But very proud, very thankful. Um, It does give me a confidence and an integrity to speak to our church. So will you guys give a warm welcome to Brad and then Alicia. Thanks, Logan. Um, I don't love speaking microphones, but I'll do it uh, this time. Uh, The word I want to reflect that uh, God gave to me before coming up here that Logan talked about, uh, first word out of his mouth, is stewardship. Um, the finance committee feels uh, very uniquely drawn and oriented around this idea of stewardship, that God brings what he's going to bring, and our call is to steward that and be great uh, stewards of those gifts. Whatever the numbers, whatever the number of zeros that are, that are attached to that, that he just asks, asks us uh, to be good stewards of those gifts. Um, and the alignment and the kind of... Um, passion that we have, the three of us uniquely have, very different people, uh, Dan, Alicia, and I, but the orientation that we have around that and the common um, focus on that is, uh, is encouraging to me. Um, I'll tell you for a second, I'm going to talk about kind of where we are from a financial controls and, and structure standpoint, and then Alicia's going to talk about the, uh, where we are with the budget, but um, we're kind of in the middle of three f- steps. Um, 
a, a stabilized step that we're coming to the end, to end of. We're kind of right in the middle of a structure step, and then we're, gonna, we're kind of right at the beginning of a, of a sharpen or improve step. Um, I had to work pretty hard to get three S's um, there, so recognize that stabilize, structure, and sharpen are, um, uh, are all S words. So um, <laughs> that's right. Um, so stabilize, we had to do a fair amount of work looking back uh, to get our, our books and records in a good place, um, our historic books and records, that they weren't, um, I, I wouldn't say that the kind of stewardship over those weren't, weren't great. And so we had to go, I say we, um, Mia, if you see her around, I think she's here today, um, but if you see her around, uh, she's led this effort to go through a painstaking amount of detail uh, to get her arms around um, the finances of the church and the historic finances of the church. And she's done um, an amazing effort. I mean, God kind of, you know, she's the representation of manna um, for this church for at that time, that purpose. And she brought this kind of unique set of skills and energy um, that no one really wanted to do. And, and she's kind of gotten us through a, an amazing amount of detail and coming out of that with a, uh, a structure for our books and records to be able to look back and have confidence um, in the information that are a part of our, our financial records. Again, kind of support this stewardship idea. Um, and we're kind of coming to the end of that. We're, uh, we're finishing up that essentially kind of two-year look back and coming to where we have confidence going into the end of this year of uh, the accuracy of that, both from a kind of external stakeholder standpoint of uh, taxing authorities and regulators and those kind of things, but also kind of as we're thinking about how to run this church and where do we want to invest our resources and being able to have um, uh, structured thinking about, uh, about what that looks like going forward. So we're coming to the end of that, this kind of structure piece we're right in the middle of, and that's really thinking about how do we want our operation to work? How do we want the kind of our financial back office uh, to operate? How do we kind of create the right controls and and governance and, and segregation and duties and all these kind of boring things that are part of the four-page email that Logan didn't read, um, <laughs> that I hate that I have to be the person to write all that stuff out, but we're in the middle of doing that, and we're probably going to come out of that with um, uh, a bookkeeper and some, uh, some oversight and some definition around rules um, and who can do what and kind of when and where and how, what all it looks like, uh, and that'll come, uh, that'll probably take us through the first quarter of next calendar year, getting all that set, getting the right person identified, getting them in place, getting that documented, and those kind of things. Um, so we're right in the middle of, of, we know what that needs to look like, and we're kind of getting it, um, uh, getting it implemented. And then the sharpen piece is really looking forward um, of how do we want to use the resources, how do we want to, I'm a consultant, I apologize, I'm going to use a consulting word, how do we want to optimize, um, how do we want to make best use of the, the things that God brings us, and that could be through, um, through our giving committee, uh, through an innovation fund, through all these, these, the resources that God gives us, which are amazing, uh, an amazing blessing, and making sure that we're doing the best. Uh, we're not just kind of meeting a minimum threshold of, of, of controls and governance and these kind of boring things. We're doing the best thing that God's calling us to, and we're continuing to kind of lay that at God's, that at God's feet and holding those with open hands. So kind of at the end of Stabilize, um, right in the middle of structure, and then we'll be thinking about sharpening as we go into next year. Thank you, Brad. Um, unlike Brad, I love a microphone, um, so I'm just going to go ahead and embrace it. Um, I think I have a slide up here. Um, before I jump into things here, I just want to preface by saying it can be a little impersonal to use all of this accounting terminology to talk about our church. Um, but like any organization, our church has a P&L, or a profit and loss profile, 
um, and I'll do my best to try to take us through it in a way that makes sense. Um, the first thing that I'll do is take us through the middle column, which is what we're expecting for 2019 this year. Um, I'll call out a couple of changes relative to what we saw last year in 2018, um, and then I'll give you a preview of what we're expecting for next year, 2020. So let's start with the top line, or what we've labeled up there as income. Um, that's kind of a funny word to use for a church, right? Income. Um, but it just means what comes through the door. So it really means the tithes and offerings that you all sacrificially bring to the church. That number this year we expect to be $2.9 million. Thank you. Yes. $2.9 million. That is a tremendous number. And as a member of this church, it's a number that I am incredibly proud of. Because it means that we've all, as a church, put God first. A couple of other things that I'll say about this number. Um, number one, you'll see that it's down about 20% relative to what we saw last year. And Logan will touch upon that later. Um, and number two, this number could actually end up being a little bit higher. Um, a lot of people tend to make their pledges last year and then actually fulfill their pledges now in November and December. And if you're one of those people, I'd like to encourage you to go ahead and prayerfully fulfill your pledge or more. And my prayer is that God would bless you abundantly in return. Um, so I'd like to move on to the expenses next. And you'll see up there that we break our expenses down into five major buckets. Um, like most organizations, our largest expense is payroll. Um, actually, you can go back to the first slide. Uh, you'll see um, uh, our largest expense is, is payroll. Um, that's like a lot of other organizations out there. And what does that mean? That means salaries and benefits for our wonderful staff and our band. Um, you'll see this number came up this year as we added to our staff and band, um, but we're expecting the number to go down again next year. Um, and the primary driver for that, of course, is that Logan has assumed the lead pastor position, and we're not planning to fill the associate pastor position that he had previously, at least not for now. Um, the second category of expenses is outside giving. And this is another one of those awkward accounting things, right? Calling outside giving an expense. But what that just means is that we give a chunk of our income away each year to outside organizations. Now, as a church, we've always and we will continue to target to give uh, a third of our income to outside organizations that ends up falling somewhere between a quarter and a third um, once we're through the selection and the vetting process. Um, we fell right in line with that this year and we'd expect that to stay the same for next year as well. Um, the third item we have up there is Sunday services. Um, first and foremost, that's rent. Um, of course, that goes up every year. This is New York City after all. Um, that is the cost of our resource table. Um, that is bagels and cream cheese. Um, that is the workers uh, in our children's ministry. It's basically the cost of bringing all of us together here every Sunday morning and making sure that everyone who walks in these doors feels incredibly welcome. Uh, the next uh, item is retreats and, ex uh, and events. This, I think, is pretty self-explanatory. It's our men's retreat, it's our women's retreat, our all-church retreat, it's our worship nights, um, and it's our Easter egg hunt. Um, we've toyed around with some different events, um, like the block party, for example, and I expect that we'll keep experimenting here since we're always looking for ways to bring God's love out to our community. Um, as a percentage of our overall budget, though, I wouldn't expect any big changes there. Um, the last category up there is general ministry costs. It sounds like a really boring category, but um, there's actually a couple of really important things in here, um, ways that we serve our people as a church. 
Um, what's in this number is counseling and community group costs. Um, and then it also includes things like marketing and other general costs of operating a church. When you put all of that together, we're projecting that we're going to run a small net loss of $100,000 this year. Um, that means that our expenses will exceed our income by that amount. Um, now, for people who aren't accounting people, that can be kind of a confusing number. Um, so I'll say three things about that number. Um, first, it's very typical for nonprofits to run either a small uh, operating loss or uh, income since it's really hard to meet your budget dead on. Um, that's number one. Number two, 100000 is actually quite small relative to the $2.9 in revenue we're expecting for this year. Um, and then finally, number three, it's a result that we're very comfortable with um, given our significant cash position. Um, at the end of this year, we will have $2 million in cash balance. It's a very healthy level, and uh, that's a really important number to leave you all with. Um, as we look ahead to 2020, you'll see the word draft there under 2020. Um, we're still fine-tuning the budget for next year. Um, but I think the, the main takeaway is that we're not really expecting any big change. Maybe a small uptick in income, um, but our overall expenses should stay roughly the same with some under-the-surface changes like payroll, which I touched on earlier. Um, and, uh, and that is the budget for next year. Um, I guess before I turn it back over to Logan, and I'm probably not going to go over the next two slides since I covered most of it here, um, but before I turn it back over to Logan, I just want to say that our church always has and uh, will continue to have an open books policy. Um, I went through a lot of numbers today. If you have questions on any of it, if you want more details on our books and records, you can reach out to any one of us, to Mia, and we'd be happy to take you through it. All right. Um, I think we can all just say thank God <laughs> uh, that he gives us people with talent and skills and that those skills can be used uh, for the good of the church. Thank you so much to both of you. Um, I want to talk a little bit about last year's income uh, and the pledge goal from last year and the pledge goal for this year and that fun stuff. Um, last year's income you saw was 3.7 and it's dipped 20%. That's evidence that a long, uh, a, lot, a number of long-time attendees and givers at this church uh, did decide to leave. Um, the transition, both in the style of our church, the transition in the style of Ryan's preaching and leadership, um, the transition pursuing more of the Holy Spirit and kind of the way that we function, uh, does result in people transitioning out naturally. A leadership transition does the same. Um, the dip is evidence that there are people that have invested in this church for a long time, people that you all love, people that you all know. I love them, and I know them as well. Um, you never want to say goodbye to anyone, um, and so our hope has been and our effort has been to try to help them transition um, to another church if that's where God has directed them. Um, and I know that's been painful for some of you. I just want to acknowledge that. It's been painful for me. There's been times where I just have gone through a grieving process because these are relationships that were people in my home and my life on a regular basis, and they are not as much anymore. Um, so I want to be able to grieve that and acknowledge it. The other thing I'll say is when we look at numbers today and going forward, 
we budgeted and are projecting very conservatively to what I think God can do in this midst, in the midst of our church, and what he wants to do. So last year, and every year when we get to the pledge goal, we describe backing into the goal by saying, as we seek God, what do we believe the church is capable of giving, and how do we call them to their ability? Um, and last year, as our prayer t- uh, team and leadership got together, um, you may remember this, you may not, um, the goal was set at $4 million, and then on the day of, the goal was changed to $6 million. Anyone remember that? <laughs> Me too. And then it came in a little over $4 million, and we didn't talk about that. I'm sorry. I don't think that's uh, a faithful way to really walk you through what happened there. Because what we were saying is, we were hearing from God at four, and then we were hearing from God, he changed to six. What do we do with that gap? And we could have just brought it up, and we didn't. So I'm sorry. As I have wrestled with it personally, um, there's been a few things that God has done in me. In terms of considering what happened, there's a few possibilities. One, we were wrong on the day of to switch from four to six million. That happens. It's okay to acknowledge it. I think it's important to acknowledge it because you have to evaluate how you're hearing from God and how you're making decisions. Second, the pledge was at four, but God wanted to give six. There's still time. (laughs) But honestly, God had to confront me of my unbelief. When it came in at six, or when it came in at four and it wasn't six, I was like, well, we're wrong. God can't do that. Whoa. <laughs> I had to recognize that saying that in my head was wrong. God can do that. And I had to repent of it and be open-handed once again. And then it's looking like it's not even going to come to four as a result of the transitions. But what it is also looking at is that God loves to provide for his church and that he's still providing for us, even in the midst of these changes and transitions and departures. So this year, as we've sorted through the pledge goal and what we're going to do, you saw the number up there. But every year as we seek this and try to understand it, we'd come to a conclusion of what are we going to do. And this year, um, our pledge goal is... There's no pledge goal. Yeah, I've in in prayer was just feeling like God was emphasizing that as a chance for us as a church to trust Him, to not try to put forth uh, put forth a metric, but to say what does God want to stir in our people to give, and then whatever that comes in at, that's what God is asking us to steward. If it comes in below what we need, then we are going to have to present that before you and go into a season of prayer together and go, okay, what does that mean for us? We're comfortable ministering according to what God provides and the mission that he's called us to. But if it comes in above, if it comes in in abundance, then we come and we submit that again to God and go, what do you want to do with that? There are some dreams. We've budgeted in a worship project or rather, a portion of this worship project. (laughs) 
Alf, that was self-interested, but God meets us in our self-interest. The songs that God has produced in the story of our church have been powerful and effective, and we are beginning the process of recording them, and we want to record and distribute those for your benefit and to the resource, the churches in New York, because we believe they are worship for the city, that they are strong and capable songs that will endure and will strengthen the body of Christ. And so we want to distribute that to other churches, not just for ourselves, but we want to walk effectively with what he has given us and the talent that's on this stage every Sunday. As it comes in beyond, we have more songs. We have a future dream that, I mean, Alf is a dreamer. <laughs> and, and so there's not possibility for us to do that. I went back and I listened, another thing, and I went back and listened to all of our previous vision meetings. They're really riveting. Um, one of the things that came up, whether we said it or you asked about it, was this idea of a ministry center that over the years has evolved. At times, it's been a justice center. What does it look like to provide legal services or uh, job training skills or things like that? Over the last couple, we've talked about a healing center and God really birthing that. In the, in the healing center, there are people that have that inspiration and have that vision that are pursuing it. And the question for us is, what is our role in partnering with that? of supporting it, of connecting it with people. We believe fully that we are a healing people and that God is creating a healing center inspired out of this place. What our role is in funding that, we don't know. If God provides above and beyond what we could imagine, we have the opportunity to potentially do that. But we have to sort through what God would ask us to do with abundance. Our first step in rebuilding the structures that I believe have fallen over the last year was to fix, with our finance team, effective, honest, transparent stewardship. One of the next things involves our outside giving committee and bringing clarity around who's on the team, how they vet, bringing that to you, and to explain how we operate. It's also expanding our team of pastors and answering the question, like, how does someone become a pastor? How do we add to the team of pastors? Because we believe God wants to add to our team of pastors. And how does the team of pastors relate to the finance team, it relates to the outside giving, so that we are effective as an organization. I believe that God wants to pour out his blessings on you and on this church. Um, I'm excited to see what the pledge goal comes in at, um, because I don't know. <laughs> but I'm asking you, starting today until December 15th, which is when we're asking all the pledges to be submitted, to you to go individually and pray. Discuss it with your family. Discuss it with your community group. Let's be in a radically alternative culture that talks about finances and faith. And then for your family to submit and say, what am I surrendering to God for the 2020 offering? December 15th is also Baptism Sunday. In the scriptures, every time someone gives an offering, when there's baptisms, it's a party. It's a party that we can celebrate God's victory in people's lives and in their resources. And so on the 15th, we'll baptize people, we'll submit our pledges, and we'll have a party and a luncheon. And then afterwards, we'll communicate what the pledge is. We're not going to talk about it that day. Invite your friends. They won't hear about money. They'll just hear about lives changed. So that's what's coming. No pledge goal. Submit it December 15th. Any questions? Yes. 
Yeah, the question was, can you talk about the thinking of the large cash balance that the, the church uh, has? Uh, I, I'll say a couple of things. One, it's something that we wrestle with. Like, what's the appropriate kind of number? Um, for a budget of $3 million to have around $2 million um, that's invested and able to kind of liquidate for cash uh, allows for us um, to have a cushion in case God calls us to something that we need to act on. So uh, Alicia mentioned that we're not hiring an associate pastor immediately. It wasn't built into the budget. I do believe over the course of the next year we probably need one. And if God provides clarity on who that person is, and that's com confirmed in kind of the process that we go through, we're able to then act on that in faith that if he's bringing somebody to be on our staff, we can fund their salary, we can care for their family in a healthy way, and then through adding our staff, our church will grow, um, and we're able to act on it. So that's one of the things that we've talked about in the past is the ability when God says to do something that we have to act on it. It's a blessing that we have. In addition, it provides a, uh, a cushion, just that's a security in case who knows what happens in terms of a need for change of venue. Um, we have kind of a emergency fund is kind of the language that people use on um, individual finances, but that we have uh, a cash balance that doesn't supersede over a year of our, our expected expenses, but that we're uh, comfortable. We don't want to be too comfortable. We don't want to sit on an endowment and then kind of get too comfortable to where our church dies because we're not anxious to see God provide. Um, and so we want to, it's a tension that we want to walk in faithfully before God to say it's still his money and he can call us um, to use it as he, as he wishes. So it's a good question. Uh, yeah, so uh, part of the language that we have used regularly is um, that we aim to give away a third of our income. Um, we've had dreams of giving away over half our income. Um, as Alicia mentioned, how that works in terms of the vetting process, because we try to have the majority of our gifts done by Mission Sunday, which is in October, is that we don't know the final number of our income. Um, and so we're trying as faithfully as possible to distribute that. In the past... Uh, there have been times we've said we want to give away an exact dollar amount. Um, and in an effort to give away that exact dollar amount, it's actually really hard to give away a lot of money um, to nonprofits in the city. And so we've sorted through how to distribute that. Going forward, our goal will to be, be to give at least a third of our income. That's what we're trying to project and give. Um, how that shakes out is something that we have to evaluate and pray with every year. And these meetings will be quarterly, and so it's something that we can kind of give an update. So depending on when people submit their grants and how we connect with people, it kind of varies uh, from year to year in terms of how it's all distributed. But a third, and then we'll see how God kind of sorts it out is the simple answer. Yeah. Any other questions? Yes, Renee.
Yeah, the question was, when you use the language of equipping, it can have certain connotations depending on what church background. Can I give some kind of handles to what that looks like? Great question. Um, yeah, because we've, uh, my wife and I have come from a church background where equipping meant classrooms and teaching systematic theology um, and going book by book and teaching through that. Um, I think there's some chances for classes so that we can equip people to learn how to study the Bible on their own. The ultimate goal, big high level, is to make mature missionaries. Uh, and maturity is not just head knowledge, but it's head knowledge and beliefs that transform a heart and transform a life in action. Um, and so one of the things that Marcy and I are talking about, to give you a handle on that, Marcy and I have the privilege to be um, kind of counselors and caregivers in the church. And one of the things we talked about this last week is that there's a lot of people in here who are already good and capable at being counselors and caregivers. And so instead of people emailing us directly and then we meeting one-on-one, us receiving emails and going, who's capable, even though they may not feel confident, to learn what it looks like to listen, what it looks like to care for that need and walk alongside someone through healing? And so that's one example on the kind of the very practical nature of how do we help people do that. Um, another thing that, I mean, this, these children's ministry dinners uh, that Courtney is having are examples of how do we put resources in the hands of parents so that they can take faith into their home, that they know what's going on over here so they can uh, pray the prayers that Courtney's writing out and we're trying to create artwork for so that they families can have that. How do they know the main ideas that we're trying to present and the story being told so that they can extend that story into the home? Um, and so she's just done a phenomenal job, and I want to make sure that that translates beyond an hour and a half, two hours, depending on my sermon length, um, into the home. And so those are, those are a few examples. Our prayer environments that we've created on Sunday, Monday, and Friday are equipping environments for people to learn to pray. The uh, best way to learn to pray is not a conference. It's not a classroom it's to let people around you praying become your classroom uh, and so it's a mix of, of teaching but it's also a mix of practical embracing and empowering Ephesians 4 says the role that I have is to equip the saints for the work of ministry how God has gifted you um, that needs to be unique and intimate um, and it's hard to figure out for churches how to not do it in a programmatic way because programs often fall flat uh, but how do we do it in an empowering individual way? And so that's those are a few of the things that we're trying to sort through. Yeah. Any other questions? Yes. Uh, the outside giving committee process was the question. Tell you what it is now. It's we're going to be completely reworking it um, in the new year, and then we'll communicate what it is there. Um, our longtime partners, we reach out to them and ask them to submit grant applications. We use the New York, New Jersey grant application. We ask them to submit a lot of information, and then we our outside giving committee is assigned to kind of do the due diligence on some specific organizations. They make recommendations. Those recommendations are taken to the team of pastors. Uh, this year, we took kind of the number and the recommendations to the finance team to let them weigh in as well, based upon how it fits into our financial goals and current situation. Um, and then after those recommendations are made, um, you know, then we distribute to, to the organizations. Um, how a new organization finds us is often through relationship. 
There's also an online form um, the, that you can go on and connect there from our, our website. Um, and those relationships that are presented to us, then we engage, we meet with people, we let them submit applications and things like that. So that's how it works now. Um, in the future, we'll, we're learning from other organizations. So we have connections at Hope for New York in the city that do this regularly. There's foundations. So we're reaching out to try to do best practices the same way our finance team has, to try to do best practices in this area too. All right, one last question, or you can hound me individually. Yes. Yeah, so the question is, Mission Sunday sounds great to interact with these organizations. How do we know they're doing good work? Great question. I think that's one of the ones that I wrestle with the most, you know. But just like we have talked in our um, giving series, there's so much trust and release of control involved in that um, that we would model on an institutional level or asking on an individual level to be able to say we're trying to give to the heart of God and we don't want to create so much red tape for these organizations that it hinders their ability to do ministry because they're trying to report back to us and trying to meet with us so much that they can't actually be face-to-face with the needy. And so we want to make sure we release them and free them. But one of the things that's been pressed upon me is that these people are on the front lines on the most painful and difficult situations that our city is facing. And so part of our role and partnership is to engage with them on the leadership level so that we can hear their stories and that we can care for them as they give so much of themselves. And so it's... One of the things that needs to increase most is our relational care for and prayer for the leadership. And I think those relational connections will breed the stories that we love to hear every Sunday to become more, re- more real. We talked about, you know, Alicia mentioned marketing earlier. Um, I want to market the stories of God more than I want to make a market a service. And so I want people to hear the stories of what God is doing in these organizations and in your lives. And so our marketing efforts are going to be bent towards that more than come once to a Sunday service. Um, and that was maybe off-topic, non-sequitur, but it, it influences the idea that we're trying to work with partners to get those stories so that we know um, how effective they are. So, All right. <laughs> you have been very gracious to stay long, um, for the service and long for this meeting. So I want to, uh, I'm going to go ahead and just close us in prayer. <laughs> um, so let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for seeing us, coming to us. Thank you for never forsaking us. And God, we ask that you would continue to pour out your Holy Spirit on us, continue to work in us, transform us, and work through us into this city. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We release it to you. Help us. Give us wisdom. Let us steward this well. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you.